Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 30. I would love to stop eating beef in my heart of hearts. I know it is vegan is the right way to go. I just don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I have the self-control and the willpower <laughs> to see it through. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. Welcome to the Food Heals Podcast. I'm Allison Melody, and today we're doing a movie review of the documentary Cowspiracy. Executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, Cowspiracy follows filmmaker Kip Anderson as he uncovers the most destructive industry facing the planet today and investigates why the world's leading environmental organizations are too afraid to talk about it. To talk about the film, we have breast cancer survivor Jill Tomback, 
close friend of mine who you already know from previous episodes of the Food Heals podcast, where she has told her story of going through breast cancer, everything she did, what worked, and what didn't. She is a second grade teacher with a master's degree in educational leadership who loves Pilates, ASU football, and her dog, Rio. And she is five and a half years cancer-free and promotes clean eating, juicing daily, and an active lifestyle for cancer prevention. Hi, Jill. Hi. Thanks for having me back. So glad to have you always. It's <laughs> so fun. We also have reality television producer and new mom, Jessica Funk, Sarah Colbutt. Jessica has extensive knowledge behind the scenes of your favorite commercials and reality TV shows, including Dancing with the Stars, Super Nanny, Top Gear, and more, and since has developed several shows for international sales. She is an optimistic idea maker who loves to help other people marry their passions with their Saved by Grace story. Originally from Colorado, Jessica lives for skiing and campfire storytelling. And Jessica wants to create a healthy, holistic, organic environment and world for her one-year-old daughter, Emmy, to grow up in. Hi, Jessica. Yay. So glad I'm here. So glad to have you. Thanks for being here. So today we're going to talk about the film Cowspiracy, but before we get to that, I have to tell you guys about our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Stride Health. Stride Health connects self-employed workers like me with affordable coverage and quality healthcare. It's like a concierge service for entrepreneurs, but it's even more than that because not only do they help you get covered, but then they stay with you to help you use it effectively. And they'll even help you cancel your current plan that you are probably overpaying for and get you an affordable plan that meets your needs. So did you guys know that 40% of Americans overpay for health coverage? And on top of that, they don't always have access to the doctors that they want. (laughs) You're telling me. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I am that 40%. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what happened to me last year. I was totally overpaying. And then in January, my rates went up $84. What? And I was like, this is too expensive. And it didn't cover any of the doctors that I was going to. I was going to all holistic doctors, acupuncture, et cetera. And it didn't cover them. So I canceled it. And the great thing about Stride Health is I logged in and basically I was able to look up every single one of my doctors and Adam Griffin, the acupuncturist. My acupuncturist. Well, our acupuncturist, I should say. Can you get me pregnant again? I'll go to him. Probably. He can do, he works miracles. Adam Griffin. Yeah. And so they found a plan that covered Adam. They found a plan that also covered my chiropractor and a plan that covered my other primary care doctor. And then my fourth doctor, unfortunately, it found out it doesn't, he doesn't take insurance. But I was still three for three. That's pretty great. Yeah. Wow. And so what Stride Health does is they act like a concierge from the beginning to the end. So as long as you have coverage with them, they're going to help you fight your battles for you. They're going to help make sure that you are happy with what you're getting. So I got a site set up for Food Heals listeners. You can check it out right now at stridehealth.com slash foodheals. And remember, come November 1st, you are required to buy health insurance, whether it's the first time or whether you're re-enrolling. But you can go to Stride before then, shop your options, and Stride will save your favorite plan and remind you to come back on November 1st and enroll. And Stride gets you a decision hours faster than the government exchanges and saves you over $400 per year by finding you the best plan. So stay tuned, and later in the show, we're going to tell you how to get even more benefits of Stride Health. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. All right, now let's talk about Calspiracy. Did you guys like it? Yeah, it was intense. It is intense. 
It's a lot of information. It's a lot of good I mean, watch at your own risk. It then changes your life. But don't watch yeah. it unless you want to have major change. Exactly. Agreed. <laughs> so the premise of the film is that animal agriculture, which is basically factory farms, is the leading cause of deforestation, water consumption, and pollution, and is responsible for more greenhouse gases than the transportation industry. And it's a primary driver of rainforest destruction, species extinction, habitat loss, topsoil erosion, ocean dead zones, and virtually every other environmental ill. And it goes on almost entirely unchallenged. And that's kind of the premise and where the film starts. And Darren Aronofsky, director of many movies, including Noah and Black Swan, calls it a documentary that will rock and inspire the environmental movement. So I'm going to play you the trailer and then we'll start talking about, you know, how we all reacted to it. Do you think there should be any concern of us making this documentary? Of course. If you don't realize right now that you're putting your neck on the chopping block, you know, <clears throat> you, you better take that camera and throw it away. There is one single industry destroying the planet more than any other. But environmental organizations don't want to address it. It's an environmental disaster that's being ignored by the very people who should be championing. It's the leading cause of global warming, water depletion, deforestation, species extinction, and ocean dead zones. Let's look at the fundamental problem here. No one wants to talk about it. Because they're, they're membership organizations, you know, a lot of them. They're looking to maximize the number of people making contributions. The leading cause of environmental degradation is... Um, we. Uh, need to address that as well. It's not up to the Department of Water Resources. Hard to actually target like one thing. I, I don't necessarily know what it is. There's suppression and mismanagement of information everywhere it abounds. It starts at the local level, but then it goes all the way to Congress. When you consider the devastation it's having on our planet as well as the oceans. And we're in the middle of the largest mass extinction of species in 65 million years. And they can dictate the federal policies because they have so much political power. And one of the largest industries on the planet with the biggest environmental impact, trying to keep us in the dark about how it's operating. That's the one thing no one talks about. You know, everybody goes around that. Unfortunately, we are no longer able to fund your film project. We had a meeting, and due to the growing controversial subject matter, we have some concerns that have to pull out. You're going up against people that have massive legal resources, and you have nothing. A lot of people just keep their mouth shut because they don't want to. They don't want to be the next one with the bullet to their head. I don't know that I would want to comment on that. All right. So, did it live up to the hype? What did you guys think about it? What did you like? What did you not like? I mean, I guess I just am curious. Is it really a conspiracy? Is that what you left with? Are they are weird? You know, Tyson and you know, big box food makers paying people off to try and make sure that Greenpeace doesn't get involved with our health needs. It's exactly what it sounded like to me throughout the whole film. I mean, it sounded like they just control everything with money. It's scary. And no one has a chance at changing it. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe it could be. Part of me thought maybe they just are stupid. I mean, I was. Maybe people really just don't know how bad methane gas is coming from all these cows. I don't think it's for sure. 
I don't, I think a lot of Greenpeace and Oceana, I mean, I think there's a good chance they just have a lot of people that are so focused on solving one problem that they don't know the other problem. I agree. Mm -hmm. It's like he did a lot of gotcha interviews and they were really good and they were funny and they were interesting, but the people interviewed, they may not have been the problem. They may not have known. And one woman on that was interviewed literally said like i don't know what the answer is exactly and so yeah. i think that there is corruption but it doesn't mean that every single person in all these organizations are involved because there's good people in these organizations doing good things and they think they're doing good but like jessica said they just may not know better i mean and yeah. have you ever tried to silence an activist i mean you know there's well, no amount of money true but <laughs> yeah then they just get murdered like dorothy yeah well, that's a good point point. and there was that one interview i want to say it might have been with someone from greenpeace i can't remember where he was asking pretty tough questions and she was looking over at her PR rep and saying I can't talk about it I can't so I think that they do actually I think on some level they do kind of understand what's going on and I think that they feel almost trapped in like the money you know I'm sure money game well I think the best the best evidence that I found for the conspiracy was that awesome guy Howard Lyman who went on Oprah yeah who you know is this born and bred Montana boy who loves his hamburgers worked as a cattle rancher yeah. worked as a dairy farmer he had exported made money off of this industry yeah and he went on Oprah saying absolutely this is corrupt this is going to ruin the world we are going to die if we don't change yeah, mm-hmm. he was speaking up about mad cow disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. And the National Cattlemen's Beef Association sued the hell out of him. Yeah, he talked Four about that. Four years and over $7 million between the two of them in, in yeah. legal fees between Oprah and Howard versus food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's just insane that... If an activist wants to speak out or someone who has seen the other side wants to speak out, that they're silenced by lawsuits, that they're silenced by money, or they get murdered, like the case of Sister Dorothy, who they briefly mentioned in the film. They didn't get too deep into her story, but the website has a lot more information about her. So crazy. I can't believe that, like, they kill people. (laughs) Like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. I mean, it's a big money business, so it doesn't surprise me. But it also, I'm sure Dorothy was not the only one who's been killed, especially in Brazil. Doesn't it sound so like Casa Escobar? I mean, it's (laughs) like that's what they do. You mess with their business and their money. I don't know. And it's really scary, but it says on the website from Cowspiracy that hired killings of human rights advocates, environmentalists, and farmers account for one third of the deaths in the region each year. So. One third? Yeah. That's insane. So people are being murdered for speaking out about environmental issues. And the Amazon rainforest is being destroyed at huge rates. I'm sure I can find the stat, but it's it's a scary rate. I mean, the biggest problem with destroying the Amazon is not even so much that now we're going to raise more cattle. The problem is that all of our CO2 goes away. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we have nothing. They produce oxygen. Trees produce oxygen. Yeah. What are we going to breathe? It's just, it's it's such a big problem on so many different levels outside of just providing more land, you know, for mm-hmm. cows and getting rid of trees. It's 
It's oxygen. Yeah. And it says one to two acres of rainforest are cleared every second. So every yeah. second that is ticking by as we are talking, one to two acres. I can't even imagine. And the, and he showed it's a football field. I really liked that visual they showed in the film of the football field and how quickly one football field turned to two, turned to three, turned to ten, turned to like they showed, I think, eventually like how much of the earth you would have to clear out to create enough. Um, space for like the cows to even roam and like, it right. was crazy I mean that sort of melded two different ideas together but just there's we don't even ha- we don't have the space on the earth to be doing this we don't have enough land yeah and the fact that they were talking about how many football fields worth of vegetables they could grow to do the same amount to do you know much massively more it just takes so much less land to grow crops than it ever would to yeah. grow or to raise cattle. And your crops, like vegetables, whole foods, can turn into the same protein source as the meat that we're, you know, as a world, wasting all of our resources on harvesting and, and growing and farming. Exactly. It says that 1.5 acres can produce 37,000 pounds of plants. And 1.5 acres can also produce 375 pounds of meat. So 37,000 compared to 375 for the same amount of land. That's insane. It's insane. I think that the thing people don't understand, like obviously we get it, but not everyone is is ready to accept the idea that you can get protein from plants. I think people insist that protein needs to come from meat, especially in our country. And I think that's something that – at least in the generation we were raised in, like your protein was your chicken or your protein was your steak or your protein was your meat. And the more we learn about how plants can provide the same thing, the more I think that that word needs to be spread and people need to start changing because it's so important. I mean, I blame annoying vegetarians. You know, in the in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, vegetarians really were obnoxious. And God bless them, right? They uh-huh. were trying to be activists, but they obnoxious and so our parents raised us with these ideas that they were high maintenance picky eaters and you weren't to be one of them and so to some extent they shot themselves in their foot with their own mission you know (laughs) and now here we are trying to spread the word that yes you don't need to eat a ton of beans to supplement your very plant-based diet it's actually a good thing for you and you can get your protein from it but there's a lot of you know there's a lot of bad propaganda that we're all working against and that's a lot of the problem. Well, I think you're talking about um, the types of people who just want to push their agenda on people, and some of them happen to be vegetarians, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, Allie's but, sticking up for those 80s okay, and 90s vegetarians. Allie. But at the same time, there are annoying facets of you know every movement that you're like, okay, I actually don't want to support the cause just because you told me to, right? And it's the person that is annoying or you don't like, and that's absolutely happens. Um, but I remember when I first went vegetarian every question I got especially when I would go home because I was from North Carolina was where do you get your protein where do you get your protein and I'm like no one is dying of a protein deficiency I am so healthy and I feel fantastic and that's all that matters and where do I get my protein I mean I could make a list for you guys right now like in so many sources I yeah it's just a myth I feel like when I was sick and I went vegan for like that, I don't know, nine months to a year period of time, my family and my friends, not my California friends, but like my East Coast friends from back home would be like, oh my God, vegan, like what do you eat? Like leaf? Like just lettuce? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, it's an entire lifestyle based on eating a leaf. (laughs) Like are you serious? I'm like, there's so many things you can eat. And they're like, oh, like – 
do you just live on tofu? And I'm like, well, you can make things with tofu, but there's also like a whole other world of food that is completely vegan. And I, yeah. I just people, you know, I guess that's why we're here doing a podcast to like, you know, share our experiences and what we do and know yeah. and what we've learned yeah. with others. Like it's, it's not all about I leaves. mean, I, in the, <laughs> I think I came from that camp. I was those friends saying, mm-hmm. you know, where are you getting your protein from? Oh, are you going to be iron deficient? I bet you're working yourself to be anemic. Are you going to be diabetic? I mean, you know, <laughs> I from I come from Colorado. My mom was raised on a farm. It's cattle country in Colorado yeah. just as much as it is in California. And I just, I couldn't understand it because this wasn't being spoken about. Yeah. We didn't know they were using 32 trillion gallons of water to try and provide for these cows. We just had no idea the effects. And so I think, you know, just talking about a real person who's doing this vegan diet makes it much more relatable. So keep telling your friends out east that you're vegan, and I'll keep telling my Colorado girls the same thing. It's important. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's it's changing, and things are moving more towards a plant-based diet. And I feel like this whole time, one thing that the movie really helped me see was I was promoting a plant-based vegan diet for the health of the individual. And what this movie really opened my eyes to was the health of the environment and the fact that eating meat and dairy products at the rate that we are eating them is completely unsustainable and is destroying every facet of our environment. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to pass on that world to my children and my children's children, but everyone's in a now mentality. You know, it's right now. What's Who just texted me? What's on Facebook? Everything's now, 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 and no one's thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow, you know, and, and so on. And I think that's a really important point that the film just reiterated to me is like, this is about the environment. This is about your future. It's not just about your health, which is what I've always been about. It's like individual health. This mm-hmm. is about the collective world that we live in and contributing to society and what are you going to do in that society and how are you going to be in that society well i mean in the end of that documentary he ends saying there's so much more than just surviving this is about thriving and wanting to see your planet thrive and we are far 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 from that you know i don't at this point you almost wonder if it's possible i don't know if we can create a thriving planet Given the energy crisis, the, you know, the money, people's attitudes, everything. Yeah, the materialism of man. I mean, I just, I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but it's hard. Do either of you remember what it was? There, He mentioned in this film that by the year 2048, there would be nothing left of blank. And I don't remember what it is, but I remember... Watching it and being well, like, whoa. It was, it was water. Really, The biggest problem was, <laughs> there I remember. Jessica remembers. Thank you. I'm <laughs> like, it was a big date. I so just, I don't know what it was. If any, <laughs> I would like to start this off by saying if any engineer is listening, I beg you to come up with a solution for this problem. By 2048, he says that our oceans mm-hmm. will be so full of animal waste because of the way we dispose of animal waste. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't have a system. Is such that it is taking over, I mean, the entire Gulf of Mexico for sure, because that's where a large portion of the United States who consumes more than anyone is putting their animal waste. But it is affecting our oceans, not just by killing our fish life, but also by 
putting off a methane gas in our oceans, which is what we need to breathe. I mean, it's a big, big problem. We're not going to be able to swim in our oceans. We're not going to be able to filter our water. You know, it's just all of it. It's a huge problem. By 2048, our oceans will be completely full of animal waste. And there was a quote by one of the women, and I can't remember who, I'm so sorry, but she basically said, when we lose the oceans, we lose the planet. And that's where we're going right now because the oceans sustain us. They sustain life. Yeah. I don't know. Can I just speak a little? Uh, listen, I, I think you girls know I do love Jesus and I just have to interject a little religious education in here. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> as I'm watching it, I have talked to so many Christians or people who say that they believe in God that are like, listen, the world is supposed to end. We're all supposed to go to heaven. Jesus is coming back. The sooner we get there, the sooner this world falls apart, the better. <laughs> it gets, it's, it's almost like it gets us to our end goal, you know? And I guess I just want to speak to anyone who's listening who might not have the environmental heart because, because of that reason or because of some other reason that sounds better than how I just spun it. I guess the world is – we are stewards. We are called by God in like multiple verses in the Bible to take care of the planet. Nothing says that we are not allowed to be responsible for this planet. Even if the world is going to sh- shit. Can we say you, shit you can on say this that. Thing? I love how she's preaching and using cuss words in the same <laughs> Of course. Same but even if run. the world is going to shit, you still have to try and care for it for your children at the very least. We're all having millions of babies and saying, oh, the world is supposed to end. That's supposed to happen. No. You have to be a steward for this world. Anyway, that's it. I'm I done. It. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I just had to interject that. I love yeah. it. Because I think the Christian community it's, is really guilty of not recycling. <laughs> I think because every community. Reason. Yes. I think there's more than just the Christian community that's guilty of that. Of but, course. But a lar- I, mean, I, ju- I just wanted to address that demographic. I love it. Well said. Mm. <laughs> you know what I also wanted to touch on is I know I have a lot of friends who are vegetarians, not necessarily for health purposes at all. Uh, my best friend's been a vegetarian since, I don't know, maybe she's like she was like a teenager. Like, I don't know exactly when, but strictly because she was driving down the freeway behind a truck carrying the chickens mm-hmm. in their little cages. And she said that she saw it and she was like, I just decided I could never eat an animal again. That is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. It's so sad. And this film also like, obviously its main goal is to talk about the planet and what's happening, but I think people also forget that, like, coming from, you know, a different perspective, the animals are part of our planet, and we're not just destroying it for ourselves, we're destroying it for them, and we're also full-on killing them. I mean, they did a whole thing about how they used to try to blame the elephants for depleting the resources, the elephants in Africa, and so there was this whole, like, elephant slaughtering movement that happened, and they were just, like, literally killing elephants by the dozens, like, just because they thought elephants were depleting the resources. And the guy that said that was completely proven to be totally wrong. And it was kind of like a made-up bullshit story. But people followed that. And that is one thing that's really hard to watch in the film, just in case, you know, you need to fast-forward something. They show him they're shooting the elephants dead. And it's It's devastating to watch. It's the saddest thing. I mean, 
they show, and then the whole thing, like, I'm, well, Jessica's not a dog owner at the moment, but Allie and I are loving dog owners. Yeah, Jessica will be a loving dog owner. And they thought that, um, or there was a whole thing about how the farmers with the mass production agricultural farm animals needed to, like, kill off the other animals in the area that naturally just lived there, like the wolves and bears, because they were a threat. Because they were a threat to the animals that those farmers were raising to then slaughter so that they could feed us and make money. Like, it's such a backwards world. It's like, let's kill the animals that could potentially kill the animals that we're going to kill so that we can make money off of them. It makes no sense. It's the, I mean, it's just the worst. And I think that that part of the film really touched me because, I mean... For those of you listening, like Ali mentioned, there's a really there's a couple hard parts to watch, and one is he goes and like watches a, a duck farmer, you know, like Backyard, slaughter a duck, yeah, yeah and and it, I mean I couldn't watch it. It's just so sad, and and even the filmmaker said I'm supposed to go next week to another one of these, and I'm canceling it. Like I can't go, and then he has like a chicken sitting in his car with him. He's like hanging out with the chicken. Well, he decided not to let the chicken be slaughtered for the film, and instead he adopted the chicken and brought him to a farm sanctuary. Aww. Yeah, it was so sweet, and I, that part of it too is just like, God, like we're ruining everything. Like not just our planet, and not just our futures, but like. We're not the only ones that live here. Right. And you know, we're ruining it for everything that lives here. The trees are living here. The animals live here. We live here. Right. And I, I don't you want to feel attached to them? To yeah, some ex- I do. I mean, like, I don't want to be somebody who eats a chicken breast and can't visualize that this actually came from a chicken, mm-hmm. you know? Or I don't want to eat an egg knowing that, like, we stole this from a chicken. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of sad, you know? The yeah. whole The whole element, we are detached from our food, not just because we're eating at McDonald's, which I really hope none of you are. But, you know, because we just are disconnected with what we're eating. And I think it's because all these, you know, largely funded companies with all, you know, their hands in everyone else's pockets, like, here, take a little money, take a little money. I feel like they have over time managed to like brainwash society into just saying like, this is what we do and this is normal and this is the way it is. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that people are ready or, I mean, I think people are ready now, but I don't think people have had the knowledge and the, you know, enthusiasm to be like, this is wrong. Let's change it. It's the perfect time to have this knowledge, though. Yeah, the now. People are finally ready to start eating to, like, the betterment of themselves. It's so much better to not eat meat. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. It's it's unrefutable. It's undeniable at this point. And like I said earlier, I used to tout this because of the health of the person and cancer prevention and disease prevention and it's about so much more. It's about the health of the person and the health of society and how are we going to sustain this lifestyle. It's completely, completely unsustainable. And I used to be in the dark. I used to be brainwashed. I remember having no connection between what I ate and the effect on my body, the effect mm-hmm. on my mindset, and the effect on the world. And now that my eyes are open, I could never go back, ever. Mm-hmm. And so it is a time for change. And as people's eyes will be open, this movement will continue to grow. I hope so. Although I do fear it will always be so hard to change a cultural generation that on their birthday eats a juicy filet from their favorite restaurant. 
You know, I, I, I do. I It's a legitimate fear. I don't know how you change that mindset in so many people. We swap it for a juicy portobello mushroom filet and call it a day. <laughs> You're so, a vegetarian. Eat mushrooms and leaves and then call it a day. I'm just kidding. I do love when I go to a good steakhouse and they have a good vegetarian menu and they cook and take as much care to those vegetables as they take to that steak and they make it in this delicious sauce and things like that. So there are options out there. I know they're harder to find, but they're there. But Jessica, as a new mom, you know, you're on the forefront of this. How are you going to create this world for your daughter? How are you going to feed her and move forward and with your new knowledge? And I mean, they there are just so many studies about what you do to make your children love broccoli. And I <laughs> because it's a it's such a failed generation. I grew up in a family where my brother ate, you know, chicken fingers for the good chunk of his life. That's Me all too. he would eat, you know, and yeah. ketchup was like another food group that was like his vegetable for the yeah. day. So I, I'm not saying that my parents did it poorly. They just didn't know any better. Of course. I th- but every study that I've read, and there is this fantastic book called Why Your Children Love Broccoli, that just say it, they are going to always enjoy eating what you're eating way more than they're going to enjoy something you've made for them that's very special to them. And so you have to lead by example. They, she needs to be eating exactly what I'm eating for every single meal, and that meal needs to be a vegan meal. And that's hard. I'm telling you, people, I spend all day in my kitchen. <laughs> it's a nice kitchen that you have, though. Right. I, you know, I, I mean, all day I spend cooking. It's it's a lot of prep to eat vegan or to make anyone eat well. You want to make beautiful food that's tasty. So Hopefully, as long as we keep with Pinterest and our lovely vegan boards, there will be an endless amount of ideas for me to keep coming up with ways to lead by example for our family and for my daughter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And the fact is, is like every day we have a choice to make. Are we going to go to McDonald's to feed our family or are we going to take that time to make something healthy. And I understand that not everyone has that time. So you have to figure out what you can do for yourself and for your family. And thank God we have Google and YouTube and Pinterest, like you mentioned, where you can find out like, okay, if I'm not going to go to McDonald's, how can I spend $10 and make a really healthy meal? And it's all possible. It's just you have to learn. Yeah. And don't forget about apps. I have so many cooking apps. Oh, yeah. So many. Like Pinterest is too much for me. Mm-hmm. There's so many choices and it's like some of the things you click on thinking that you're going to see a recipe and then you get taken to another page with like 85 other and I'm like I didn't want to make a chocolate souffle I wanted to make that that stir fry that I saw and where did it go how do I find it again there are so many fantastic apps and I mean I can't even begin to name them all but if you just search in like cooking or vegan or anything there's so many things that will come up it's amazing All right, we'll be right back with what we learned from the film and one thing we are each going to change in our lives after watching Cowspiracy. Today's show is sponsored by Stride Health. Stride Health is built just for self-employed adventurers like us and probably like you. Everything you need for health coverage and health care, they have it. To get your personal concierge at no cost to you, go to stridehealth.com slash foodheals. Sign up with your email address before November 1st to get access to Stride's on-call healthcare support team and save $400 a year on your plan. Stride's customer care team is fundamentally different from calling your insurance company. 
Your insurance company is always going to be the gatekeeper, but Stride's job as your advocate is to kick the gates open for you. Their employees are healthcare consumers just like you. They solve their own problems, which are also your problems. It's those crucial moments when the shit hits the fan and you're in your most vulnerable state that you need a health advocate. That is what Stride provides. For example, Stride had an engineer who had a respiratory issue and they were able to find him the best doctor in San Francisco to treat him while he was in the hospital. That's amazing. Whether you have health insurance or not, Stride will take care of all the sweat and headaches of figuring out where to get care and how much you'll pay. They even pick your pharmacy and doctors for you. Think of it like this. Health insurance companies have hundreds of mathematicians trying to figure out how risky their new customers might be. There's never been an actuary for you, though. So they're flipping the whole thing on its head, doing the math on your potential risk for the year, and getting you the best care options. So take a minute and join now at stridehealth.com foodheals Turn Stride on for you and your family. You'll get access to their on-call care team who has your back when you need it most. Joining Stride is free. It takes two minutes and it's built just for you. Check it out at stridehealth.com slash foodheals. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. All right. We're back with Jessica Funk, Sarah Colbert, and Jill Tomback. And we're talking about the film Cowspiracy. And what what I wanted to do was really go through what each of us took away from the film and maybe what we're going to change in our lives based on seeing this film. So, Jessica. Well, I have a huge problem. I mean, this film wrecked me. And I, <laughs> I hope it wrecks all of you. Go see it because it will wreck you. And I went to see it because Leonardo DiCaprio produced it. And it was on Netflix and it's free. So you have no excuses now. Go see it. But for me, um, I currently have a 12-month-old, almost 13-month-old baby. And when you're 12 months, you are basically completely off of breast milk. And my child now drinks 22 ounces of milk a day. So we do the all-organic DHA, omega-3, no HMOs. Um, no GMOs. I'm sorry. No, what <laughs> Doesn't else? have health insurance either. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I think it's I great. No HMOs. I think it's great. <laughs> okay. No GMOs. And um, we have tried to switch to almond milk and she doesn't like it. We have tried. And you'll see, girls, when you have a baby, the taste factor is crucial. The other thing is, when you warm up a glass of milk to give your child before she goes to bed, there is chemically something in milk that puts you to sleep. It's why doctors for years have said, do you have sleeping problems? Drink a glass of milk before you go to bed. It helps you go to bed. So this has been really crucial to the sleep and happiness of my family is to continue (laughs) feeding this child milk. But after watching this film, I mean... It's really not an option. It's not an option to act like feeding my child milk does not also add to her not having a future on this planet by the year 2048. By the time she is my age, by the time she is in her 30s, milk won't be an option for her children. Mil- I mean, the whole there are so many consequences. So, yes, we are 
We are going to try harder to find a coconut milk, a hemp milk, a soy milk, whatever it may be to get this child off of milk. I'm going to work harder. And listen, my anniversary is this month and I plan on going to Mastro's in Malibu and eating a beautiful filet. And that's just me being very transparent. But honestly, I would love to limit my beef intake. I would love to stop eating beef in my heart of hearts. I know it is vegan is the right way to go. I just don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I have the self-control and the willpower (laughs) to see it through. Help me, you guys. Like, I don't know if I can do it. I want to, but it, it requires me selling my husband on it. You know, and that man, he loves his beef. So, All right, well, keep yeah. us posted. Let us know how it's going. And in terms of helping your kid fall asleep, have you ever heard of a hottie toddy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just drug her. Just get her drunk. She'll be out cold. I'm only half kidding, but I feel like that is what I grew up on, and I kind of learned, like, that's just what you do. Maybe like a, maybe like a little droplet or two of red wine under her tongue. Uh, okay. I'm just kidding. Now okay. we're talking about drugging and alcohol and children. I know. We're just kidding, uh-huh. but it is half funny and half true. <laughs> Accurate. All right, Jill, what about you? Oh, my goodness. This is such a hard question. I think the reason it's so hard for me to just instantly be like, oh, my gosh, that was really eye-opening and I'm going to change this about me is because in the five and a half years that I've been healthy and cancer-free, I feel like I've already made so many adjustments that watching this film was more of like an affirmation that what I've been doing is the right thing. Yeah. And not just for my body, but for the planet too. I think that was the most eye-opening thing. And like Jessica, I am I am by no means a full-on vegan. I uh, When I cook for myself at home, it's very much vegan-based, um, but like I still – eggs or something I buy at the grocery store every week. And I mean, I'm all about the simplicity of a hard-boiled egg prepped in advance and dragging it to work for breakfast. And so I think that watching this film and kind of having my eyes open to more than just like, it's not just meat, it's it's everything. It's cheese, it's ice cream, it's eggs, it's chicken breast. It's, it's not all, I mean, the cows were the focus, but it's not all about the cows. It's about all of it. And I think that, you know, from... From the moment I finished watching that film through, you know, forever, hopefully, I'll just be more conscious and aware of that. And so that's what I'm planning on working on is just having less of those things because, I mean, I really don't need them. I go out for brunch and I enjoy a tofu scramble more than I enjoy a regular egg scramble. I feel better after it. So like little changes like that I could make around my house, I feel like are the things I'm going to focus on. Jill Tombeck, everyone. (laughs) Goodness gracious. No, that's wonderful. And I know, I mean, we've known each other for a long time and you and I have been eating delicious vegan meals for a long time. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's all that we've eaten, but it's been one of the focuses of like we go out to eat and we like to seek out these restaurants that have mm-hmm. vegan options and, you know, the delicious flavors that they create because when they're this restaurant, they have to make it so delicious because they're trying to convince meat eaters that they should eat more vegan, right? Totally. So the food is is phenomenal when you go to those. So good. I like. So I have yet to try Crossroads, which I know you and oh, Ali's husband God. is not at all vegan, and he was raving about the meal at Crossroads. Ooh, I would like to go. It sounds Crossroads amazing. Is so good. it's fine dining, so you can go out for a nice night out, dress up, and it, the food is phenomenal. Phenomenal. But then you take like for me. 
So my parents are East Coasters, New Yorkers, you know, by trade, but live in Baltimore now. And so health isn't exactly like the number one thing in Baltimore. When you go to the city of Baltimore, it's not like vegan restaurant on every corner like it is here in L.A. It's more like, you know, barbecue place and like fast food, like a lot all over the place. It's very difficult to find like good like my mother comes out here and and like eats up every last salad she can find and then goes back to Baltimore and calls me complaining like there's just no good salads here. I have to drive <laughs> half an hour to a Whole Foods to get ingredients and I have to make a big salad. Like it's a thing. But um my parents are not an- not against being vegetarian or vegan at all, but they're skeptical in the sense of like making that lifelong commitment. And when I when they're out here in Los Angeles, I try to take them. And so take them to some good vegan places. So like the first place I took them was Cafe Gratitude. Mm. And they were like, ooh, looking at the menu, like, I'm not sure what looks good. And I'm like, just get something. It's going to be delicious. And then our new favorite place, I think it might be my mother's favorite restaurant in Los Angeles is Gracias Madre. Oh, she unreal. loves it. And then we took my dad. I mean, there was a weekend they were in town. We went there three times in one weekend. <laughs> we went for a brunch. We went for a dinner. We went back for another brunch. Like, it's so good. So well, your parents sound awesome. I mean, you've met. You've met no. Well, of course, but oh. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. like, Sorry, it's just so wonderful that they are embracing it and know that this is good food. Yeah, it's and really it's good cool for you. And Gracias Madre is so good. It's like vegan Mexican fusion, and it's oh. a great atmosphere. It's very trendy. It's it's beautiful. Delicious. I want that coconut ceviche. Like, look, right it now. might still be open. We can walk there. Let's go. <laughs> it is walkable. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm sure you get that part out. <laughs> love it yeah all right well before we wrap this up because it sounds like you're getting there i just have to make sure that i give a little plug for uh jill tombeck's future husband (laughs) (laughs) if anyone else was watching but how could you not stop and pause at josh tetrick Oh, I mean, yeah. even the name. Yeah. Listen, I am a happily married woman, but I am happy to live vicariously through Jill Tombeck right now. <laughs> Josh Tetrick has created an entire organization called Beyond Eggs that's helping people with meals and food that is not chicken and steak. I mean, he's amazing. And I I just Googled the the living daylights out of this guy as soon as I he was in the film and yes he's a little bit beautiful oh. <laughs> just a little bit just everyone go on your Instagram right now and look up Josh Tetrick because it's just unreal how handsome he is but he um you know he is a Michigan born and raised guy went to law school in Michigan loves his meat and here he is this vegan and is promoting it because he knows he wants to change the world and I just think he's the coolest guy. He was a Fulbright scholar. He went to Nigeria and South Africa and helped serve their community. I mean, he is part of the mission in changing the world. And I think if we can see role models like that, I mean, I was instantly like, oh, this guy is normal. He's like a carnivore just like me. And he totally gets it. This is why we're doing it. I mean, we need to be those types of people in our community and also, you know, seek out beyond eggs and figure out what we can eat that's that's good for us. Yeah. And let's let's find a way to get him here so I can meet him. And we can find out if he truly <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're single, Josh, call us at not <laughs> Contact the Food Heals Nation. Info at foodhealsnation.com and I will give you Jill's personal cell phone. <laughs> I have such great friends. <laughs> Always looking out. I know. Mm. Allie, what would you change? 
Yeah, so I already eat a primarily plant-based vegan diet, and I think that this film definitely opened my eyes to a lot of the environmental aspects of this. And the best thing that I can do to help is spread awareness of the environmental factors besides the health factors. Because like on the Cowspiracy website, there's a Q&A, and one of the questions is, how can I help promote Cowspiracy and its message? And they say, write articles, blog posts, tweets, podcasts, or letters to the editor of publications about the incredible impact of animal agriculture in our planet. So my goal is really to do that. I want to spread this message. You know, I've always been not always, but for a long time, I have been spreading the message of how to heal disease through nutrition and through emotional healing. And I'm not going to abandon that. I think it's absolutely number one and very important. But the environmental impact was not in my forefront, was not in my purview. It was not one of the things I was focusing on. And so that film, the film really, really opened my eyes to that. So I'm going to make this topic a priority on the podcast, on the Holistic Voice website, and really help raise awareness of this film and these issues. So thanks, Cowspiracy, for really putting this on the forefront of all of our awarenesses. And thanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, because when you put your name behind something, more people are going to watch. That's just the yeah. truth. That's well, why Jessica watched. And Netflix. And, you know, also, I, I think there's more to come. Ali and I went to an event this year where James Cameron spoke on how he, this is his big mission is to tell people to stop eating meat because you're saving the planet. And this is what he said. I'm going to quote him right now and tell me if you remember this. He said, California is in a drought and they're saying to take shorter showers. He said, fuck that. Stop eating meat. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I wasn't there, but you came back from wherever you saw him say that and you started telling me all about, I can take the longest showers I want. It's not going <laughs> to make a difference. I'm going to start using my, ba- I have a bathtub with jets and I have, when I use it, I feel so guilty. Okay. I'm going to let some of that guilt go, enjoy my bath and eat no meat. How about that? Yeah. About you'll that? save more water. <laughs> exactly. For sure. All right. So to wrap up, do you guys have any final thoughts or anything you want to say i mean i do let's talk about the Markgard family oh yeah did anyone remember this beautiful cattle farm the family with their four perfect children living on half moon bay with views Mm. of the ocean on their two acres per cow yeah uh grass-fed farm and the kids were cuddling with the pigs like they were dogs (laughs) i was like i hope this guy says we can eat grass-fed beef because i'm quitting my job and opening a grass-fed farm (laughs) and having more babies it was magical well you could open a farm sanctuary and have the animals there without slaughtering them and how would i make money i don't know (laughs) i think farm sanctuaries are probably funded by donations i'm not sure (laughs) probably maybe anyway i don't know i just love this family because they sat down to do their interview you know and they both they just were great people they they said you know we farm because we love animals and we are doing grass-fed and i've heard of people like this like even in pennsylvania there's a there's a sheep farm where people bring in symphony musicians to play music for these sheep i mean animals that are farmed and eaten are not always abused and their children are running around saying I'm so sad. I love this pig so much. He has to turn into bacon, but I do love him so much. And they're cuddling with the pigs. I found that so odd. Yeah. Um, but adorable. Like it was it was sweet compared to the alternatives. Right. But yeah, it was a little I mean, weird. I'm happy that those pigs were loved while they were alive. But the fact that the kids were just so 
okay with the fact that this this pig is going to become bacon was really disturbing to me. Well, the little girl said something like, I can't get too attached because he's going to be turned into bacon. Yeah, and then they showed B-roll of both of them cuddling and laying and petting with the animals they were bonding with. Maybe they're attached to their food. They know where it comes from. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to demonize it too much. I'm not demonizing it. I was just, I was confused by it, to be honest. And I know what you're saying, like, hey, this is a much better alternative than factory farming. I couldn't agree more. But turns out it's not because (laughs) if we were to do grass-fed farms and eat grass-fed beef, which I currently eat. I mean, how many of us are going to the restaurants and ordering Kobe? That's what we do. We order the best grass-fed beef. But the problem is that if we were to take every demand for beef and put them on a grass-fed farm, it would take over all of South America. They did say It would that. take the entire yeah. continent of South America to produce grass-fed beef. No, it was our continent stretch, or it was North America stretching up through Canada. Well, I guess that is North America. Wow, that made me sound not smart. But it was the United States stretching up into Canada and pretty much all of South America, and that would be just to feed the United States population, not even to feed the world. On grass-fed beef. On grass-fed beef. beef. Without factory farms. They, yeah. I think they said also that they're just, they're like physically isn't enough earth to actually feed the world, the world's consumption of beef right. to live on a grass-fed farm where it's like two acres per cow and this and that. I mean, they're, we just don't, our planet's not big enough. We right. don't have it. Well, and I think he said it best. They asked this adorable couple, the Mark Guards, so Brazil and many regions in South America are unable to do grass-fed beef and they're in a huge energy depletion and methane gas and they he kind of outlines all the problems and sets them up. He says, what do you think they should do? He said, they should stop eating beef. Yeah, I remember they that They cannot sustain, they're not a country that can sustain it. The United States has these farms. We can do it. And here he says it from his sprawling 950-acre property when, in fact, we can't do it. It was very yeah. ironic. Yeah. But it is it is a good point he brought up. Like, it's the whole idea of living off of your land, right? Like, I've traveled to Thailand, and when you're on the islands, like the very tiny remote islands in Thailand, I mean, it's all seafood. And that's because they're living off of their land. I mean, they're in the ocean. That's what they can catch, and that's what they can serve. But a large portion of our world today has, has, with our, you know, modern advances, we found ways to make, you know, cow farming, cattle farming happen in places where it shouldn't be happening. And that is where we're losing our resources. And, you know, it's so crazy. People are just forcing it where it doesn't belong. I mean, not to say that the alternative is any better. I mean, he showed the the clover-filled farm that advertises we treat our cows with respect and it was depressing. Yeah. I mean, there's not a good way to raise these cows. I would love to live off the land and eat my bacon and my cow, you know, off of my little one acre property. But I live in Los Angeles on a 6,000 square foot lot that is like, you know, with 18 other homes right next to me and none of us can put cows and pigs on our land. It's but, just, it's not realistic. But you know what you can put on your land? Um, a garden, a vegetable garden. 
Amen. You preach it. <laughs> Live off of your land. Go home and say, Nick, we're living off the land. We're planting a garden. Although we have too much smog and pollution in our air in Los Angeles, not because of vehicles and transportations, but because California produces the most methane gas from cows and livestock. Mm-hmm. Very true. Balance it out with some trees. Grow some, have a tree garden, a vegetable garden. We have a lime tree. Hey, good for you. Hey, you've just moved in. Don't, don't judge give it yourself. some time. Yeah. I'll get some zucchinis next year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a perfect place to end on. If you want to make a difference, eat more plants, plant a garden, and, you know, watch the film. Tell us what you think. Email us at info at foodhealsnation.com. Send it to Facebook. Let us know at Food Heals Nation what you guys are thinking. Did this film affect you? How did it affect you? We'd love to hear your thoughts. So, Thanks for listening. All the show notes will be available at foodhealsnation.com. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for we having us. We love you, Allie. Always this a fun is time. amazing. Yay. Okay, come back anytime. Thanks for listening, Food Heals Nation. It was so great having Jessica and Jill here, two of my favorite ladies who turned out to be pretty awesome film critics, so we'll definitely have them back. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the film Cowspiracy. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. The latest cut, executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, is screaming on Netflix now. Their website is cowspiracy.com, and on the website, you can learn more about filmmakers Kip and Keegan and how to attend a screening or even how to host your own screening. And the site is full of incredible information, facts, and statistics that will pretty much blow your mind. So for today's Tweetable, I thought I would share a few facts from the film, and if they resonate with you, if you think they are important, you can tweet them to us at Food Heals Nation, you can tweet them to the filmmakers at Cowspiracy, and make sure to use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast in your tweet so that we can see your posts. We love retweeting you, we love seeing your posts, we love interacting with you on social media. So here are some facts from the film that you can tweet. Each day, a person who eats a vegan diet saves 1,100 gallons of water. More than 6 million animals are killed for food every hour. Animal agriculture is responsible for up to 91% of Amazon destruction. One to two acres of rainforest are cleared every second. The leading causes of rainforest destruction are livestock and feed crops. A person who eats a vegan diet saves one animal's life per day. And finally, 82% of starving children live in countries where food is fed to animals and the animals are eaten by Western countries. So again, if you want to bring more awareness to this film and these statistics, you can tweet these. You can tag us at Food Heals Nation. You can tag the filmmakers at Cowspiracy and use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast in your tweet so we can see your post. And in upcoming episodes, we will be reviewing more documentaries like Forks Over Knives, Fed Up, The Beautiful Truth, overfed and undernourished, and many more. And we've got some exciting interviews coming up with the director of the documentary The Vanishing of the Bees and the director of Plant Pure Nation. So stay tuned, Food Heals Nation. We'll see you next time. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. 